What constitutes a K-pop girl group or a boy band? It is up for debate, but it is differentiated from the bigger pop umbrella, primarily by the language we utilize, the styling of the performance, and the overall look, and its signature training process. Oh, the gruesome, strenuous process. And major labels in Seoul are baking on the latter aspect, eyeing a chance to expand on the K-pop genre by exporting that very system to foster the best K-pop group members. For further analysis, we're now joined by culture critic Isaac Kim. Good morning, Isaac. Good morning, Mina. It's certainly a fascinating idea, isn't it? Export the training method for the K-pop greats. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it like any other industry, you know, first you, you, you might have seen like Korean cars being exported from Korea, right? Made in Korea, exported out. Then the companies actually set up, you know, factories and plants in other countries mm. for that market, mm. whether it's China, the US. Mm. So I kind of see it as this is uh, really the next evolution of okay. um, K-pop as an industry, okay. because uh, some people might blow K-pop off as like, you know, just a niche passing niche kind of, mm. you know, trend. But I mean, you and I know, like, this is not going away. This is, <laughs> this is hardcore, <laughs> serious stuff. Um, the fans that uh, we know and the uh, fans that are, especially in this um, age of social media, uh, they are so vocal. Um, so we know very clearly mm. the um, demands of the market. So I think it's very interesting seeing it live as um, we're experiencing this mm. next evolution of um, the export, I guess, of K-pop. It might have been niche at one point in time and perhaps not too long ago in our memory. But what if that niche has a stronger voice and grounds to commune together and thereby creating a bigger niche market? And then it is definitely mainstream. And if you look at just a revenue flow for some of these major uh, K-pop labels, it's it increasingly they're relying more on money they make overseas as opposed to at home. We'll get to that in just a moment. But first, let's let's look at the stories that inspire today's discussion topic. We have previously discussed Hive's project, The Dream Academy. It turns out JYP also has plans to debut a girl group by the name of Picha in the North American music market. How do these two projects compare and are they kind of eyeing a similar natural progression? Yeah, I think like, for example, Picha, um, you know, spelled V-cha, right? Like um, the, the acronym. Spelled V-C-H-A. <laughs> um, I mean, when I saw the first name, I was like, what does that mean? I'm so curious, right? Is it an acronym? Is it, and then and then obviously, oh, Picha, like, oh, it's like the Korean, uh, in Korean it makes sense. Hmm. But, you know, the progression I see is, um, you know, that group and that concept, um, trying to make K-pop for America or more palatable, hmm. uh, I think, I think it's, it, it makes sense. You know, it's, it is, it's a typical, not typical, but it's a classic, you know, competition survival type of, you know, um, show that they uh, were utilizing as a medium, um, but focusing on North America. Um, so it, it but uh, some other people may be, you know, like, oh, kind of startled to see um, so many diverse faces uh, in a <laughs> supposed quote unquote K-pop group. Right. But, um, it makes no, you know, it doesn't hide any of that, right? Right. It's going for a different market. It's, um, you know, it's focusing a little bit differently. It's adapting to the target. Mm. So I think um, for, the difference, I think, compared to Vicha is that uh, the Dream Academy, you know, they've been very vocal too, uh, very clear from the beginning that they're differentiating themselves by uh, becoming, you know, a globe, uh, focusing on making a global pop group, right? Like, so, mm -hmm. so it's like the K-pop is now pop um, as you know, ah. the music has become mainstream. <laughs> so 
it's like you know focusing on hey this is not just you know korean pop you know this is pop music it's the next evolution of pop music and you've got you know the biggest label in korea with with one of the biggest labels in the world um right. geffen music and, and their com combination to do hey let's do something um really global so i think i think uh, both of them are very are very you know, not only are they new, but they're also focusing on different kind of targets. And even though they're kind of overlap, there is a little bit of an overlap, but mm. um, it's very, I think both concepts are very fresh. Um, we're looking forward to it. And uh, it's exciting because we there's it, there's been a lot of slowdown in, in the last mm. few years, right? Because mm. of COVID and whatnot. So coming out with force um, to show that, hey, K-pop is um, not going away. Um, and... <laughs> We are now pop, you know, like, yeah, I can see the catchphrases already. K-pop is pop. And, and that is that is groundbreaking. And it does seem like they're taking this well-known K-pop training system and applying to perhaps reach a wider audience, which is why there are there are more multicultural, multi-ethnicity being highlighted. And primarily a lot of these talents who would be part of this so-called K-pop group but would be English speakers. OK, so that's where we stand there are these two major products uh set to both be unveiled in full scale come next year so we'll have to see what picha and the dream academy is all about now the rigorous k-pop girl group and boy band training system it relies heavily on many things but i think uh, recognizably it relies so heavily on the sacrifice of young aspiring talents when it comes to time dedication, and in some worst cases, even compromising their identity. It's not so much about who they are as a person. It's about who they are as a collective, as a group. How would the system hold up in the U.S. where, to generalize a bit, we're taught to be more individualized, to stand out, to be noticed in the crowd? Yeah, um, definitely this is a criticism of K-pop from, you know, from the beginning. You know? mm. So I think um, it's interesting because in the past, uh, there have been a lot of failures in, um, you know, for K-pop groups or K-pop training system to kind of be accepted. You know, uh, there's been a lot of criticism of it as, as well. Um, but the way I look at it is it's that system has not been stagnant, right? It's been evolving. It's been becoming more efficient in Korea. Um, it's created uh, a, a larger industry, more specialized uh, professionals in the industry. And now we're seeing another, I think, iteration of that, you know, of this um, evolution. And so maybe the timing is a little bit different now, mm. whereas, you know, um, this uh, the sacrifice and the hard work of uh, the young talent, you know, like that is not something that is, you know, that is something that is very like, um common or very understandable culturally to Koreans, you know, the dedication, the, right. the loss of my identity for the sake of the group, which is very different from like, you know, many uh, of, of the many individualistic, um, you know, cultural aspects of American culture. But at the same time, you know, like the concept of a group, you know, um, mm. the, 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 you know, um, like the three musketeers, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> wow, I forgot that phrase, you know, like, um, uh, one and we are one, and but you know what I mean. Like uh, I it just it slipped my mind. <laughs> all right for now. one, I mean, like, uh, all for one and one for all. Right, yeah. right, right. So like that concept is not just it's not foreign to America. It's not unique to Korea. So mm -hmm. I think that maybe um, right now the time of um, seeing this uh, the evolution of the K-pop training system as well as the audiences and their uh, openness or uh, readiness to kind of accept um, you know non. Uh, Caucasian faces in, in culture and accepting of like 
Korean uh, music as well as Korean culture, food, style. So uh, fashion, beauty, you know, with all these things kind of like um, the globalization of culture, I think. Uh, I think it's a good time to test it again, this mm -hmm. system. Is it going to hold up? Um, if, if <clears throat> I think the criticism of the past is not going to hold up. The criticism is not going to hold up. I think that the systems are going to show that they are, uh, they have evolved. They're, they're robust. Mm. Um, you know, many years ago when uh, K-pop groups uh, used to, you know, there was a big controversy when members of the groups wanted to fight with their labels, you know, right. and like um, slave contracts and right. all these things. And there were a lot of horror stories of trainees who, um, you know, came to Korea and you know they, they went through a hard time. And now... Obviously, um, not it's not everything is perfect, but mm. things have changed a lot. You know, it's 2023. Um, mm, mm. The, the industry has changed. The mm. executives that are working at these um, labels are no longer, you know, they're not the only the same, you know, group. It's it's, it's grown, right? Mm, so mm. you've got younger executives that are working, um, you know, so you've got different generations of uh, culture within these companies. So, I mean, you know, it's... I think that this is part of the reason, the secret, okay. I guess, in a sense. Okay. Uh, but yeah, definitely the system uh, is going to keep changing too. It's not going to, you know, it's not just, we, maybe it looks the same or sounds the same because we call exactly. it the K-pop group training system from like that we've heard about for right. like 20, 30 years, right? Right, but, right. But um, no, I mean, look at it. It's Geffen Music mm. and uh, Geffen with Hybe and then Republic Records with JYP. So mm. you know, these are not, um, they are not common names in K-pop, right? There are, they're new names to K-pop, you know. Mm. Okay, so here's something we keep making comparison to status quo we knew for years and years that persisted, and that's because trend takes sometimes a long time to form, perhaps, and so we're used to the way things are. And the same can be applied to the criticism that's put towards Dream Academy. So this series, they've uploaded a few mission videos for their 20 contestants that are the finalists. It has garnered millions of views, but some have criticized how impersonal these contents are. And if you consider the fact that Korean style audition programs rely on forming a more emotional attachment with the competitors, for example, they bank on that. The, the success formula for BTS, there was a time when we used to say it was because they were so personable and within reach, seemingly at least, and all the live broadcasts they did, how casual they seemed, how much social media presence they had. And again, this emotional attachment that you uh, form with these competitors. So what are your thoughts on the critique that the contents that the Dream Academy is uploading are just too impersonal? Yeah, I mean, it's valid. Um, I think it's a very understandable when you think of the existing market and how uh, these survival com competition shows and right. previous, you know, acts like Produce 101 and like, um, you know, that whole uh, genre has expanded mm -hmm. and exploded the last few years. But I think that it could be considered, you know, I think we should consider it as, um, you know, intentional. Uh, I think that if you, I mean, the articles that have made clear, you know, they're going for these mission videos versus episodes of mm -hmm. a reality show, right? So the concept of the reality show making the star is being kind of tweaked, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got the we've got the making of the star, uh, making of the the pop group, um, but the way the journey that the audience goes with it is a little bit different. But that doesn't mean that there is no emotional attachment that will be happening i think that uh, you know the right now they're shooting everything right and the planned <laughs> documentary that they're planning to release um with the uh you know launching of the group on netflix they said so i mean this is gonna be like um you know all these emotional episodes that they're used to but the cliffhangers and the the tears and 
all that stuff is uh, it's almost like the strategy behind this. Now it could be intentional, it could be accidental, uh, because right now uh, it is on YouTube um, as a, you know like a platform. Usually it's typically a reality show like this um, as they are you know uh, broadcast are carried by either a major TV station or mm. OTT platform or some way some way that um you know there an advertiser uh or you know a commissioner has kind of paid for the mm -hmm. rights for this mm -hmm. and if they have sold this to netflix um they might have intentionally just delayed the actual episodes focusing on hey the talent let's showcase the talent because the audience the fans and and you know the 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 people want to know who these people are mm. but once they're made as a group then you're going to launch this documentary series and in a way one of the criticisms of the old way of doing these kinds of shows has always been if you don't watch it live mm. you know there's no rewatch value mm. for example if i missed it then you, you find the news and whatever happened but you don't really watch the old episodes of like you know a, a, a sh the, sh the reality show that made mm. you know um, a girl group or a boy group mm. but with uh, it, it, the way that they are planning this documentary with the episodic you know this is an opportunity for them to create a kind of like an evergreen content show okay. where you know uh, a, a lot of times a k-pop group has to become like bts blackpink for them to have a documentary you know like um that justifies documentary but here they're like you know we're going to go we're going big you know we're going global we're going and we're just going to be like this is going to be the biggest group like whether you like it or not <laughs> so this kind of brute force um planning uh and methodology mm. you know is interesting mm. um uh, but it's and it's backed you know with big deep pockets so mm. i think it's um it's cool uh to see a different kind of approach to it mm. um, criticism is valid obviously i, mm. I agree it, because it, it is not giving us as an audience what we're used to right but um in a way it's kind of like you know uh best things comes to those who wait and ah. so when it when we if the audience is willing to wait and i think the hardcore k-pop audience is going to wait like they are willing to wait so when that happens uh when it launches i think the um the hardcore audience is going to be uh satiated as well as it's got the potential legs to reach a larger audience mm. because you've got the time to uh, actually Narr uh, create a narrative and edit it in an ever evergreen format so that our parents um, will be like, or you know, our friends will be like, hey, what's this new group that you guys are so into, which debuted in 2023, but in like 2025, they'll be like, who were they? And then they could look at this documentary or this show on Netflix and be like, oh, I'm caught up, you know, instead of I missed out of all that like, emotional uh, attack. Okay, so first and foremost, let's wait for that documentary and see what it's about. I mean, we're getting like bits and pieces. So maybe like you said, maybe this is intentional. Maybe it's a beautiful accident. We'll have to wait and see. But certainly the art videos that they put up on and uh, on behalf of the 20 contestants, it's so well made. I, I've never seen a, such a grand debut, although they have yet to debut. But technically it is because now they're in the public eye and definitely in our radar. We'll keep up. Uh, before I let you go, Isaac, our final question of the day. What's in it for the Korean entertainment giants. Why are both Hybe and JYP investing their resources, money, time in these multicultural K-pop groups set to debut in the U.S., a really competitive North American music market? Well, I mean, I think it's the, um, you know, it, it, it's the dream of uh, all, um, you know, uh, of all industries to make it in America, right? Like um, wh whether it's, you know, wh where you start out and you, uh, in a tech company and uh, you want to, you know, get seed from or 
IPO in Silicon Valley or in, mm. in, in on Wall Street, or you know, uh, why even companies will create a, a brand um, and then with the hope, with the uh, desire and the dream of scaling um, to a larger audience. The population size of the American audience is also, you know, mm. very big compared to Korea, mm. as well as it is the launching pad to really be um, a global and you know uh, brand uh, right. throughout the rest of the world. So definitely the revenue flow and the diversifying the revenue streams opportunity is there. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> and a lot of times the return on that investment is, um, you know, uh, you're, you're kind of, when you take any kind of risk in a business, you know, you're hoping for a return on that investment. Now, if you are taking small bets and that return has small potentials. Um, high you know, like, risk, high return. <laughs> high risk, high returns, yeah, basically. So the biggest market, if you can do well in America, you know, you know, you, you, you basically are going to do well in the world. Mm. I mean, not to throw under the bus, but Park Jin-young did try to do something with Rain and the Wonder Girls, which fell right. short. But maybe times have changed. I mean, Park Jin-young has been dubbed a pioneer for a number of different reasons. But circumstances, yeah. I think, have changed since those decisions. Yeah. Timing is it's all about timing. And back then, you know, it was it was really it, it was, you know, I mean, people criticize him, you know, for doing that. And but the thing is, like. I look at him now. <laughs> so <laughs> look uh, at him now. <laughs> he laid down, um, you know, uh, the foundation. He put in his dues. So I'm actually not surprised um, that they are doing. I'm actually more surprised he didn't give up. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people will, when you you know do something and you fail, you know, like a lot of people will, you know, we call we call it pivot, right? Like so we pivot to adapt. And so sometimes it's a, a it's a kind of a, a giving up, um, but. Mm-hmm. The way that they pivoted is uh, very clear that they did not give up America. Like the the J, it's called JYP USA, right? Like they, yeah. So this new brand, uh, this new name, you know, like um. So I'm, I think it's very uh, courageous of them to mm. keep doing it. Um, but yeah, like right now, I think we're gonna see the fruits of all that labor mm. about to, you know, pay off. Thank you so much, Isaac, for today's talk. Appreciate it as always. We'll see you soon. All right. Have a good one. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.